welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. All right, now we're going to jump into the message this morning. We are continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit that we've called Not a Coconut. Not a Coconut, because the fruit of the Spirit... If you know this, if you know the song from the 90s, it's not a coconut. It's, it's not a tomato. Yes, tomato's a fruit. It, it's not an apple. The fruit of the Spirit, their love and their joy and their peace, patience, kindness, so on and so forth. And my hope as a church, the greatest metric that we can use to measure how we're doing as a church is not church attendance on Sunday morning. It's not social media engagement. Those are great things. But the most important thing that I love to gauge how we're doing, the health of our church, do we have the fruit of the Spirit? Are we being loving? Are we being patient? Are, do we have joy in this place? That's what I want us to use as a measurement of our lives, the measurement of our church. The past three weeks, we've talked about love and joy and peace. I hope that you've been able to grow in those fruit of the Spirit. Has that helped anybody here the past few weeks? Two or three people? Okay, good. I can sleep well tonight knowing I've helped two or three people after the, over the past four weeks. Uh, no, we're, we're thankful that we get to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and grow in those. And today we move on to the fruit of patience. I promise it's a coincidence that we're talking about patience on Child Dedication Sunday. We did not plan this, did not do this on purpose. But the title of the message this morning is a question. It's a question. It says, what's the point of patience? What's the point of patience? If I think about it, to me, patience is probably the least desired fruit of the Spirit, right? It kind of is like the coconut of the fruit, right? It's that nobody wants it. Nobody, you, probably some of you are sitting there thinking, Matt, don't you dare at the end of the service pray for me to have more patience. Because I know what that means. It means I'm going to get stuck in worse traffic jams. It means my children are going to be less obedient. It means I'm going to be in longer lines at the DMV. Don't you dare pray for me to have patience. Patience, we, we struggle to see the benefit of patience. Because we actually see it more as a hindrance and a struggle than to our success and our achievement. It feels like it's a barrier between us and what we want to achieve. If you think about patience, you know, the opposite of patience is what? It's hurry, right? Hurry is the enemy of patience. Hurry is the enemy of progress, I'll say. Hurry is the enemy of discipline. Why? Because hurry doesn't have time to read my Bible in the morning. Hurry doesn't have time to, to pray in the morning to get my day started. Hurry doesn't have time to pray with my spouse before I leave. I think of the author, John Mark Comer. He wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I know some of you have read that before. He said, and he said hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. It's the great enemy of spiritual life. And then he goes on to list out 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. Look at some of these symptoms. He says it's irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, emotional numbness, out of order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, 
slippage of spiritual disciplines and isolation. That's an alarming list, right? I'm sorry, I just realized I never put the slides in this morning. That is completely my fault, Grace. Can, can you go back and put those in? That is completely my fault. We'll get that set before the end of the day. That's an alarming list of symptoms of hurry. I was too hurried this morning to put in the slides for this morning. <laughs> the whole morning, I promise you, I was thinking like, I'm missing something. I'm forgetting to do something this morning. I don't know what it is, but I'll know later. Sure enough, here we are. So this morning, as we get ready to look at patience, we're going to take a walk, not a run. We're going to take a walk back to patience. And I say a walk back because when I think about patience, I feel like that's something that we actually start out as a child, and we learn and we're taught that we need to hurry. We learn from our parents, from the people around us, from social media, whatever, that we need to hurry it along. You think about child-on-child dedication you can't hurry a kid to first begin their first steps to walk, right? It takes time. They're very uneven. They're unsure. You have to show patience. They have patience. It's not till later, as a boy, I'll speak from my own experience, with two brothers that we learn everything has to be a competition. Let's see who can do the fastest at this. Who can eat that the fastest? That's when life begins to hurry. So as we look at patience today, as we look at um, what the Bible says, that we're going to start in the book of James. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to the book of James. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We'll read these together. We'll have them on the screen at some point. Uh, normally they would be here, but I messed up. Let's read it together. Verses 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. It's funny, another week that we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and another week that we start with talking about joy. He starts by saying, count it all joy. And some of us don't like this passage because we misunderstand it. People say, well, why would God expect me to have joy when I'm going through trials and difficulties? Why should I be happy about that? No, James says, count it all joy. First of all, he says, when. Count it all joy when. Not if. Not if you have a trial. When you have a trial. Okay? You will have problems in life. Tests will come. Issues will come. But we can count it all joy, not because of the issue, but because your faith, the testing of your faith produces patience. It produces steadfastness. It produces perseverance. And when your faith is tested, it produces patience. When our faith receives pressure, we can build our patience. That's number one this morning. Number one, pressure builds patience. Pressure builds patience. Pressure. What a lovely word, right? We all love to hear the word pressure. We all enjoy pressure, right? Pressure is really just a nice way of disguising what it really is. It's pain. That's what it actually is. It's pain. It's like when you're at the dentist's office and they say, okay, you're going to feel a little pressure right here. And you go, okay, ah, that didn't feel like pressure. I would define that as pain. That felt painful to me. 
You called it pressure. You dressed it up, but that felt like pain to me. Pressure of the test, pain of the test, that allows us to grow and develop our patience. There's a reason that we have to take tests in school because we have to determine the knowledge of the subject. I would not characterize myself as a great test taker. Have you ever been around those people that there's like, yeah, I didn't really study, but I got like an A, so I guess that's good. And you just want to, in the love of Jesus, you just want to punch them real fast. Like, that's great for you. You know, I did not have that experience for me. I, I'm over here studying day and night to get a B or a C or just pass, right? That was me. And especially for me on the first test, uh, every class is different, right? Every instructor is so different. And so I struggle to know what to expect on the first test. And I'd al always struggle on that first test because I didn't know what to expect. But by the second or the third test, I began to improve. You see, it takes trials and tests over and over that begin over time to grow our patience. Because what pressure does is it actually builds up it manifests what's ever on the inside of you. You know that? Pressure brings everything to the surface within you. And James is saying, if you're in Christ, then when pressure builds up, it should actually strengthen yourself and perfect your faith because you should be relying more and more on me to pull you out of this struggle. You can rely on God to pull you through it again. And I want to show you uh, what I mean today by the story. We're going to look at the story of Joseph in the Bible. We're going to go back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis uh, to find a man named Joseph. He was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Joseph was deeply loved by his father. And Joseph, he had this dream as a child that the whole family would bow down to him. And obviously that didn't sit very well with the rest of his family, right? Um, because Joseph, uh, because his father loved him the most, there wasn't a lot of pressure in his house, but the pressure actually came outside of the house. Because being the favorite, his father, you know, caused a little bit of conflict with his brothers and that favoritism. So one day Joseph, he was sent to go visit his brothers as they were working out in the field, and here's where we're going to pick up the story. Are we good? Do we have the slides down? Great. Okay, perfect timing. Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read these seven verses together. It says, They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, again, this is the brothers talking about Joseph. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him that he might rescue him out of the hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. Now Joseph, he comes up to his brothers, and he's, he's not done anything wrong, right? But he had his brothers, overtaken with jealousy and envy, 
they choose to do him wrong. In fact, it says they wanted to kill him, right? And the older brother, Reuben, he says, no, 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 let's not, let's just imprison him. Let's throw him into that pit for now. Reuben planned to go back and to get his brother when they weren't looking. Ironically, I don't, it doesn't really say how this happens in the story, but ironically, Reuben wasn't paying attention and the rest of his brothers decide to do something with him. They see these traitors coming towards them and they have this idea, okay, we won't kill him. We'll just sell him off for some money. We'll gain something out of this. And our conscience is clear that we haven't actually killed him. So Joseph, he's betrayed by his brothers. He's sold into slavery and sent away to a country where he knew no one. No one. He didn't know the language. He didn't know the customs. He didn't know the culture. <clears throat> but yet God was with him. And throughout most of this story, if you read the story in Genesis, it's funny because we don't see a lot of how Joseph is feeling. We don't have any indication, any record of how he's feeling. It's not like David where it's like an emo song half the time of his psalms, right? We don't have that with Joseph. But we can assume, we can assume that he felt disowned, right? We can assume he felt abandoned and unwanted and afraid of what could happen to him. And let's read on to see what happens next, this next moment of pressure in his story. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 6. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Doesn't that sound like the dream? To, to, to not have to think about anything else but just what you're going to eat in your day. That's like vacation, right? That should be your only worry in the day. Where are we going for lunch? Where are we going for dinner? That, we all want a Joseph in our life, right? To handle and administrate our life. Joseph is brought to Egypt. He's purchased by this man named Potiphar, who's an officer of Pharaoh. And then it says, in the beginning of verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. Our second point today, when we're talking about patience, we have to remember, number two, God's plan takes patience. There has to be patience to see God's plan. Think about Joseph. He has gone over this time from enslaved outcast to successful administrator, all because it was God's plan. And God's plan takes patience. You see, I, th I think our world has misunderstood the definition of patience. 
I think we've told people that being patient is actually being weak. It's being passive. It's allowing people to roll over you and, and to get walked over. But patience is not being passive. It's having perseverance to say, yeah, things aren't going the way how I want them to. But if I know I'm in God's will, I know he's got a plan for me. I've got to stick to this plan and know that God's plan takes patience. I know God can take care of me better than I can take care of me. I know things look bad, but, but I also know that the trial is the only way that I grow. Joseph did not begin to grow until he had to be taken out of his family into a land he knew nothing about. Talk about pressure. Joseph does not become successful in Egypt without the abandonment of his brothers. Joseph does not find favor with his boss without the hardship of a season of slavery. God had a plan for Joseph, and because he was patient and persevered and he worked hard, he saw God's hand on his life. God's plan for you is God's best for you. You know that, right? No one has a better plan for your life than, than God. You can sit there and map out your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. There's nothing wrong with that. But God's plan is God's best. And God's best takes patience. Because of Joseph's patience, it says the Lord was with Joseph and made him successful. All over that passage, it says his master saw that God was with him and caused all that he did to succeed. It says God blessed the Egyptian house because of Joseph. All this happened because Joseph stuck to the plan and had patience. A few years ago, I began uh, writing some, some worship songs. And uh, I took some classes from a songwriting coach. I wanted to get better at it, see if I was any good at it. And he began to work me through songs. And eventually, we had a list of songs. He, he was willing to produce an album with me. So we're excited. And, and I started writing songs back in about 2012. And uh, we get excited about this opportunity. We, um, we raise funds. The church helps us out and blesses us. And so we go in September of 2016 out towards Washington on the West Coast to record these songs. We go through the week and we record these songs. We're excited. We head back home to Columbus. They say, hey, give us a few months and it should be ready to go, six months or so. We'll, we'll mix these songs, master these songs, and they'll be out. So we go home, we're excited, we're like, we're ready for these songs to come out. We're telling people, March, April, get ready, this album's going to come out. A few months go by, and we hear next to nothing from the producers. We hear nothing about how the progress of the songs are going. We're thinking, what is going on? And I'm not a pushy person. I'm not going to text you and email you every single day. I probably should have, but I just don't do that. And uh, so every once in a while, though, I'd send an email, send a, send a text, and I come to find out that this, this production, this studio, is dealing with a lawsuit. And they're like, we, we can't handle right now. I'm sorry. It's, it's going to take a little bit more time. So we sit there, and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? We've told people this album's coming out. We, we've had plans for this. When is this going to happen? There's no timetable. I have no idea. And I really struggled during that season. I thought, what's the point of songwriting? What's the point of doing this stuff? I don't even know if this stuff's ever going to come out. I decided to meet with a, another songwriting worship leader who's had songs come out, and I said, hey, how do I handle this? 
what should I do right now? And he said, Matt, God doesn't waste a season. He, he's, he's not gone during the season just because it didn't go the way you wanted it to. If you continue to work hard, that's not a waste of time. So I tried to, and I'll be honest, I didn't do the best that I could have done better at continuing to write songs and continuing to go at that. But eventually, the beginning of 2018 in March, Refuge album came out 18 months after recording. It was a long time to wait, and thankfully God brought that to completion. And those songs that I was writing in the meantime would get us started when we would debut the album this, this year, Every Battle. And if I could go back and change things, I wish I would have worked harder when I didn't know what God's plan was. I really wish that I had done more during that season, not wasted it as much as I did. And so today, when I look at Joseph and I look at what he did, you know, he didn't waste those seasons of slavery. He didn't say, well, why should I work hard? What does it matter? I'm enslaved to this, this country. I don't know anybody. I'm not going to be able to leave here. No, he, he worked hard. And it says that they saw God's favor on his life. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait on the dream job and the dream spouse, the dream family. But, but our attitude and our mentality, our mindset of in the meantime, in the waiting, it matters. Because if we lose hope, if we give up, if we become impatient, and we try to make it on our own, we lose out on what God had planned for us. Joseph could have given up and decided, I'm just going to be an outcast. But he decided to persevere. And through the favor of God, he rose up to be a successful businessman. And thankfully, thankfully, this is the end of Joseph's story, right? Rides off into the sunset, has a, a successful rest of his days in Egypt. Nothing else goes wrong for him, right? We could roll the credits here, right? Hopefully you guys are, know that this is not the end of the story. There's more to this story, right? Unfortunately... This is not the end. Joseph, one day while at his master's house, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. And he, he tries to run away. He, he does successfully run away, but she grabs a piece of his clothing and goes to her husband and says, he has hurt me. He has assaulted me. And Joseph finds himself thrown into prison. You're like, Matt, I thought you said patience pays off. How could this be God's plan to be thrown into prison for sexual assault? What, what did Joseph possibly do to deserve this accusation? To uproot him from all that he has worked hard to accomplish? He's done nothing wrong. And again, it doesn't say how Joseph felt, but we can imagine he feels angry, and rightfully so. But look at what God does in the prison with Joseph. Look at verse 20 with me. These four verses. It says, And Joseph's master took him, put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. 
talking about patience today. We know that pressure builds our patience. God's plan takes patience. And our last point this morning, number three, patience leads to progress. You might be thinking, progress? Sounds a lot like practice from last week to me. Progress. We're talking about progress. This isn't progress. This looks more like regression, right? He is in prison. This isn't success. This is failure. How can Joseph look at a prison cell as progress? But the greatest test in life is success. The greatest test you can go through is success. And Joseph, at the height of his success so far, was tempted by Pharaoh's wife, and he didn't give in to temporary pleasure, which would have destroyed his long-lasting character. He instead chose temporary pain to sustain his long-lasting character. He was thrown into prison, but God gave him favor there. And in God's timing, delivered him back out of prison just in time to interpret a dream from Pharaoh. And this is a long story. This is an excellent story. I am browsing. I'm skimming through this morning, okay? If you have not heard this before, please, for yourself, go and read the whole story. It is worth your time. But as we know, Joseph, he gets out of prison. And Joseph, he has faithfully served in prison. He has been patient. He's used his gifts to interpret dreams for the baker and the butler in prison. And then we see how Joseph's rise to power begins here. Look at verses 37, chapter 41, verses 37 through 41. It says, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. He's talking about what Joseph had proposed because of the dream. They're going to have seven years of good years of prosperity, followed by seven years of famine. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Patience. It doesn't always feel like progress. But waiting on God, you will see the progress because this trial, it produced patience. His tests produced perseverance. And when Joseph, as a child, chose to tr trust God and patiently wait, and when he received this dream, he trusted that God would bring it to completion at the right time. He didn't allow the discouragement of being traded away. He didn't allow the discouragement of being a slave or, or being in prison. Over time, as, God can, as Joseph continued to say, yes, I will be patient and I'll wait on you, God. Yes, I will persevere. He grew from slave in Egypt to he is the most important person right below the Pharaoh of Egypt. Could I suggest to you this morning that in the middle of your greatest pain, you might possibly be on the cusp of your greatest breakthrough. Amen? In the middle of your greatest struggle, you might be moments away from your greatest success because we have to pass the test of pain in order to trust God for the prosperity that he has for us. 
And Joseph continued to put his head down. He continued to work hard in prison as he did. Can, can we be patient with God's timing and trust God for the breakthrough and the progress that we desire to see? It's hard to be in the middle of the pain and not know what God has planned for us next. It's hard not knowing our schedule, how long we'll be in a situation. I think about, for us, I think about what COVID was like and the shutdown. And we're not quite past it, but praise God, we're a lot better off than we were the past two years. And I, I think about the times, I don't know about for you, but for me, I'm sitting at home like, when is this going to end, God? I don't know the timetable. I, I, can, I can do this for a little bit, but not knowing sometimes is the hardest thing, right? It's hard to have patience and trust in God. I was reading an article in Forbes magazine, and there's a man in the article talking uh, whose name was Ralph Galati. And he shared his advice on how to persevere through times of uncertainty. And Ralph was a lieutenant in the U.S. Air Force. His jet was shot, shot down in 1972 over North Vietnam. He was a prisoner of war for 14 months. And this time, of course, was not a good time for him. He was interrogated, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, solitary confinement for 75 days. And he shared a list of advice. And his first point was saying, I quote, he said, we are all being tested. These times in our lives, they test us to see when we're strong and when we're weak. And Ralph said, I believe we're actually stronger than we think. He talked about a lot of different things that make us stronger. We know, obviously, as people of God, we are strong in God. When we're weak, he is strong. He talked about the power of one another. When somebody would be willing to, to touch and make contact with him, which was dangerous as a person of a prisoner of war, that made all the difference. It would motivate you to say, okay, I've got a support group here. I have people with me. Parents, you have a support group. There are people with you as you're, we've dedicated your children to the Lord as you're going through raising your children. And at the end of this article, the article talked about finding false hope. We have to be careful what we put our hope in and what we rely our patience to be on. Because some prisoners of war, they would pick a date and say, we're going to be saved by that day. I'm putting my confidence and my hope and I'll be patient waiting on that day. I'm waiting on Christmas and we're going to get saved, guys. I'm waiting for it to get warmer and for someone to be here and we're going to get rescued. And that seemed like a good idea to put hope in something. But what happens when that day comes and nothing in your situation has changed? I did that for myself with COVID. I'm like, it's going to be done in two months. We'll be good. We'll be back to normal. And when that day came, I was like, God, what happened? He's like, I'm sorry, was that a prophetic word that I gave you? No, you were just hoping it was going to be gone in two months. We have to be patient on God's timing, putting our trust to persevere in him. It's not our job to know the timetable. It's our job to continue to work hard and focus on what God has for us in that season. If you feel stuck in a season that you want out of, I encourage you, be patient. Hold on. You might just be on the cusp of your breakthrough. Don't give up right before it's time for a breakthrough. Marissa, could you come and play as we, as we close this morning? We've been talking about patience, the least desired fruit of the Spirit. And some of you might be thinking, I, I don't want patience in traffic. I don't want patience with my child and you said pressure builds patience. I don't want that pressure. 
But we know pressure leads to patience and it leads to growth. We know life doesn't always go the way that we want it to. I'm not speaking that over you. That's just a part of life, right? Things don't go the way that we want them to. And if we don't have patience, we can lose hope and we can want to quit. But patience says, I know that there have been struggles, but God has gotten me through it in the past. Patience says, I don't know the timetable, but I know the God of the timetable. I know the God who works and moves through every season. And I trust the God who governs over time. I know I felt pain, but God has healed me. And so today I choose to count it all joy because the trial means that God is going to work with me and through me and bring me out the other side. Bring me out better than I was before. And have we forgotten? Are we so quick to forget that we should have patience with God? Don't forget, God has had patience with you. God has had patience with me. God has taken his time and he's waited on us when we've messed up, when we've ignored his request, whether intentionally or not, we've not been paying attention. He has been patient with you and me. It says in Psalm 103, verse eight, it says the Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You can find that phrase, slow to anger, all throughout the Old Testament. And it's also defined as patience. You could read anytime you see in the Old Testament that God is slow to anger, you can replace that with God is patient and it would mean the same thing. It's as if we're reading God is merciful and gracious. He is patient and abounding in steadfast love. That phrase is all over the Old Testament. Aren't you thankful for all those reminders throughout the Bible that God is patient? He is patient with us and he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. No, it says he is merciful and he is gracious and he is patient. Our hope is in God and our hope is to be more like God, to be more patient with people, to be more loving with people. Here's the last verse I'm gonna show you this morning and then we're gonna close. This is the patience that we can expect in our own life when we follow after God. Proverbs 16, 32, it says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. God says, I don't care how strong you are or how mighty you think you are, if you don't have the ability to control your temper, to be slow to anger, and be patient, it doesn't matter. He says, you are better than the mightiest person if you can have patience. Patience will give you God's best. It will give you the progress that he has planned for you in the good times and the bad times. Would you stand with me as we close? I just wanna pray for you this morning as we close down this time talking about the fruit of patience in your life. Would you bow your heads? close your eyes. I want to pray for three different groups of people. If you're here and you feel like you're in the middle of a test, you're in the middle of some pressure and pain, and you would like patience 
to help realize and remember that God will get you through it. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you in mind. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands all over the place. Yes. Yes. Second group of people. I want to remind you, in addition to that, that God's best takes patience. Maybe you're not in a struggle, but you're impatient because you're waiting for something. You want to move something along. You want to make it happen. I want to pray with you in mind that you would wait for God's best for your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Waiting on God's best. Yep, I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. So many hands up. One last group of people. I want to pray for those that feel like they're close to losing hope. They say, I'm tired of waiting, Matt. I'm tired of waiting to see what I feel like God has told me is going to happen. What I feel like he's told me he's going to do. If you're here today and you're on the brink of losing hope, I would encourage you, don't lose hope on the God who's never abandoned you. He's never forgotten about you. He has never forsaken you. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for hope to rise and patience to rise. If that's you, raise your hand this morning. I want to pray with you and mine. Yep, I see that hand. I see that hand. Let's pray together, church and faith. God, we thank you for the fruit of patience. Not because it's easy, not because it's painless, but because it produces in our lives. And we want God's best for our lives. I pray right now for those who are in the middle of a test, they're in the middle of pain and pressure. Would you comfort them? Would you strengthen them? Right now, would they feel your presence on them saying, it's gonna be there. You're on the cusp, you're on the brink of breakthrough here today. Don't stop waiting. Don't stop following. Don't stop working your hardest. You're going to see the plans that I have for you, God says. I pray for those that need the reminder that God's best takes patience. Those that are waiting for a job, a spouse, a family, whatever they have need of. We don't just want a job. We don't just want a person. We want your best for our life. Help us to wait and be patient. And I pray for those that are losing hope. They've been struggling. They're having a hard time holding on and keeping it together. Would you give them the strength? When we are weak, the word says you are strong. Would you be strong in us to not lose hope, but to remember that you are the God of the promise. You are the God of the best for our life and we will see the progress that you have planned for us. We thank you for all these things and we believe for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.